You're locked into the Blacklight District podcast with singer, songwriter, and guitarist Kyle Pfeiffer, a.k.a. Blacklight District. The new album, 1990, is coming soon, but not without sacrifice. Join us for behind-the-scenes moments from the making of this album, taking addiction, injury, and chaos to triumph, and ushering in a new era. Here to get today's show started, your host, Kyle Pfeiffer. What is good, everybody? Welcome to the very first episode of the Blacklight District Podcast. I am so excited to kick this thing off. I have been contemplating doing a podcast for probably the last two years, but it really wasn't until I was planning to start recording my new album, 1990, that I knew this was something I had to do. And I knew it was something I had to do just because of the roller coaster that the last two years of my life had been. I feel like this is a story I want to, you know, get out there and just share because, again, at the end of the day, if this helps one person or inspires one person, I feel like my goals have been met. You know what I mean? So let me take you on a little ride here. Let's go back to the morning of January 5th, 2021. I had been addicted to opiates and specifically fentanyl for probably the last 10 months to a year. Um, Towards the end there, I was literally snorting upwards of 40 pills a day. And I couldn't start my day off without doing a pill or two. And it just got more and more over time. And man, it was a madhouse. It was literally when they say you're spiraling out of control, that's what it feels like because it was a constant spiral of ups and downs, withdrawals, then feeling good, not being able to show up, not being able to finish music, not being able to do this because my chase 24 hours a day was focused on finding drugs, not specifically finding, but making sure I had them, you know, Over the last couple of years, I've been lucky and have had a lot of success in my music. You know, I'm just about to hit the 500 million stream milestone, half a billion streams from an independent artist out of a small town like Spearfish, South Dakota. If that doesn't say anything is possible, man, I don't know what will. But, you know, because of the success, I felt like I was giving myself excuses to to quote unquote celebrate, if you know what I mean. So last year I had a song called Falling became my first song to chart on the pop side of things, Hot AC specifically. It got added to Sirius XM, The Pulse. Man, it felt like I was really, you know, crossing a barrier and really doing something new and taking things to the next level. And I was completely taking advantage of it in my personal life and going downhill. So, you know, again, it's another thing that amazes me how you know, you can be, you can think you're doing so good and feel like everything is so successful. Yet on the flip side of that, you can be in some of the darkest times and places of your life, you know, and man, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, used to get me all the time because again, ups and downs and ups and downs, you know. So anyways, January 5th, 2021, I confessed to my wife, Amber, who has been one of the biggest supporters in my life for the past five plus years. And man, I don't know what I do without her sometimes. And that's an honest thing. Shout out to you, honey. I hope, uh, I hope you're listening right now. But um, yeah, man. So next thing you know, her and I literally within hours of me telling her, and this just goes to show the support of my wife and even my grandparents that, you know, by the end of the night, I was six hours away, 400 miles in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, getting ready to check into treatment the next morning. Uh, terrible night tossing and turning. Um, 
get there the next morning. Of course, it's the middle of a snowstorm. We get to treatment, and man, uh, it was it was a rough first ten days uh, in Canton, South Dakota. I'll tell you that. You know, so anyways, things were kind of going south there. I ended up smoking some weed in there. People were passing around. Look, in this treatment center, it was more like a jail. So this was not going to be the place for me to get my life back on track. And I knew that. So basically, after a couple of days of calling home and saying I was leaving and done with all this bullshit, and believe me, I'm sure I was miserable to deal with during these times, but I wanted out of there bad. But... I did want to get on the right track. So we found another treatment center there in Sioux Falls that was brand new and had only been uh, open for the past couple of months. And they were more of a modern evidence-based treatment, which is exactly what I was looking for. So we spent two days in a hotel. Wifey came down and picked me up. It was nice to chill with her for two days. And there I was again, checking into the second treatment center. And you know what's awesome is that at this place, I learned a lot. I did everything from grief counseling, meditating, uh, every type of therapy you can think of, cognitive behavioral therapy. And they really, they break you down, man, and they get to the core of what causes all of your bullshit. Because the last thing I needed was someone to say, hey, just get clean, basically talk yourself out of it and try to move on. It's like, man, we're in a day and age now where people, I think, know better than that. So it was such a refreshing experience being able to go through a program that I could invest in myself, timing, effort, and really make some difference, you know? And uh, a good quote from there I learned is, first thought, wrong thought. And that is very true for a lot of people. You know, but again, the downside of this was even though I was getting my life back on track, I was away from home for almost 40 days. My eight-year-old son, Maddox, my wife, my grandparents, my family, my team, everybody. You know, it's hard to be away from all that um, when that's really all you know. But I think it was for the best because, again, nine months later, I feel better than I've ever felt. I feel like my family is in a better place than it's been in a long time. And it just feels positive and like there's hope and something to look forward to. And man, in life, that is so important. It took me a while getting used to being sober, though. You know, I had been trained basically for the past however long in my life that when you feel pain, there is a fix for that. Whether it was alcohol for the first long time or opiates later on, I was always numbing something. And again, that's something I learned this year. And again, I still grow every day. I'm far from being perfect and far from being where I want to be. But it comforts me to know that I am putting in the effort to be the best person I can be, not only for myself, but for my wife and my son, because they are, at the end of the day, the most important things to me. So let's fast forward a couple of months here. Let's go to May 28th, 2021. Me and my son Maddox are out front. He's riding a scooter. I'm riding my rollerblades. Normal stuff, nothing crazy. Anyways, I get in a serious wreck. And when I mean serious, I mean serious, bro. Like, okay, so we're going. I know I'm about to fall. These rollerblades are heavy as shit, so I know I'm not going to be able to move them. You know, it's just, you just know you're going to fall. So anyways, I kind of braced for impact in the second I maybe had. Um, and I fell right on my knee, and man, I kind of felt something pop, and I knew something was wrong right away. I mean, I basically yelled out in pain the second it happened. 
Um, Maddox went to go get Amber and a bunch of neighbors were out trying to help me up. And man, we knew something was serious. I couldn't get in the car. So we had to call the ambulance. They show up, they basically pick me up and put me on a gurney or a stretcher. And again, like screaming in agony while they're doing that, get in the ambulance. And of course I tell them, you know, just so you know, I'm, I'm at the time just about six months sober off opiates and, you know, just because I want to be up front with them. And there again, you know, showing how I've changed my ways because back, you know, even a year or two prior and before I would have never said anything because I would have been more interested in knowing that I'm going to get drugs at the hospital, you know, and again, as fucked up and as embarrassing it is for me to say, I'm just, I'm trying to lay it all out here, you know? So anyways, they know that. But again, when you have a severe injury like this, you kind of have to look over things like that. And it was mutual on both sides. They agreed and I agreed that we need to resolve this pain. But because of my sobriety and, you know, other types of medications I've had to take in the past and things like that, I, you know, I have to use higher amounts of opiates, I guess. So they started giving me a shot of fentanyl right there in the ambulance, which did worry me at first, but I couldn't worry about it too long because my hip was unstable and fractured in multiple spots. So they gave me the first one. I don't feel any relief, just suffering. We start heading to the hospital, another dose of painkillers, no relief. Finally get in there. The doctor comes in and he's like, oh man, this is a catastrophic injury, especially for your age. Your hip is broken, two fractures. We're going to have to do surgery right away. But because I had just eaten a meal within the last hour, um, they don't like to do surgery when you have food in your stomach and things like that. So I had to wait all night. Uh, they said probably tomorrow morning. So they get me into the room. Finally, after a couple hours, I get my own room. Again, I'm screaming in agony as they lift me from one bed to another and they start switching me between fentanyl and a drug called ketamine because they didn't want to do just opiates, which totally understandable. And keep in mind, you know, it's very cooperative on both parts. About 12 o'clock midnight that night, the nurse comes in for my scheduled uh, pain relief. And again, keep in mind, I am truly suffering here. This is, has, has to be the worst pain I've ever felt. She comes over, we're just chit-chatting a little bit, I'm telling her how much pain I'm in, I can't sleep, blah, blah, blah. She comes over, puts the medication in my IV, and all of a sudden, I wake up with five, six, seven different doctors and nurses and RNs around me, like shaking me and saying, Kyle, Kyle, are you there, blah, blah, blah. And I had no clue what's happening. And the main doctor looks at me and says, sir, we had to Narcan you. You basically overdosed on the fentanyl because it built up in your body so quickly. And man, that was like a shock right there because when I came to, I totally forgot about my hip. I had no clue where I was. And man, it was it was just a, such a surreal experience because before I came to, man, I was like, in my head, I felt like I was somewhere. You know, I felt like I had my own experience and I'm not a religious guy at all, you know, not into that sort of thing. I'm very straightforward and into reality, but Man, after this happened, it's, it's really opened my mind up to all the possibilities that are out there. There really is endless possibilities, man. So what, what an experience it was. It's something I will never forget, I can tell you that. So anyways, this is where things start getting interesting because now I'm at home. It's summer. I am stuck in a recliner, a recliner for the next three months. And I am bummed out, man. But again, in my way, new way of looking at things, I'm going to try and turn a negative into a positive. So I had just gotten a new guitar because I was just starting to get 
inspired and into rock music again for the first time in a couple of years, but I was getting that itch, man. So I spend the summer writing and writing and writing. And again, being in this new mindset, being clean and sober, you know, really being cut down to size with my hip injury and knowing that I'm not indestructible as a lot of people think they are, man. You know, you really start to question things, basically. And that's basically where I was at. But the music kept flowing out. Like, it just wouldn't stop. And lyrically, I felt more authentic than I ever have. And because I was bound to a chair, you know, it was a, it was all guitar versus what I've been doing recently, which is, you know, starting songs with programming, electronics, synthesizers on the computer, this kind of took it back to the old school way and kind of, you know, in its own way, showed me the spark again of when I first started, just loving the rawness of writing something real and from your soul onto a real instrument, you know? And that was the catalyst for 1990 as an album. I knew right there the second that that happened that I wanted to do it with Brett Hesla, who's a producer from Nashville, Tennessee. Brett played bass in Creed for a while and was the singer of the band's Dark New Day and Virgo's Merlot and has produced numerous hit singles. He's a platinum producer, and he and I had actually worked together on an album seven, eight years prior. And for me, it felt like a full circle moment to think that I'm going to make this new album because I'm inspired by rock again, something real and raw, and I'm going to go to Nashville and have Brett Hessel produce it. To me, that was like, duh, obvious. Like, that is what I have to do. It's what I need to do. And I almost got obsessed with this thing. I would go in to my doctor and they would x-ray it. And I would be under the impression that I'd be off the crutches in the next couple weeks. You know, have talked to Brett, started planning things. And they would say, oh, you're far from healed. And I would get delayed and delayed and delayed. You know what I mean? So that was frustrating. But every time it happened, I went back and started polishing songs, writing new ones, this and that, you know, so... Again, turning the negative into the positive as much as I possibly could. Finally, August of 2021, just a couple of months ago, I arrive in Nashville, Tennessee, and I start recording the album with Brett. We ended up tracking all 10 songs in 11 days. From start to finish, I would have the drums ready to go in the morning. Uh, I would get there around noon. That was kind of our whole thing. Start at noon, get the drums up, get them sound, get them dialed in, get it how we wanted. And then I would track the guitars. Brett would track the bass. Uh, we would do any programming or extra stuff we needed. And usually by the early evening, you know, we had a vocal ready track good to go. And we would polish up lyrics, sometimes write them from scratch. Sometimes we would just have to write a couple lines to something that I brought in. And by eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night, man, every day we had a song done. And we started the project with the mission statement, so to speak, that we wanted to do a song a day. And man, we did it. And when I say magic happened, I mean that with all my heart. There's nothing like going in, especially when it's a producer that you're familiar with, you know they know your style, you know how they work, and you can go in and it just gels and the music literally flows out, man. There is nothing better than that. That's why I'm so proud of this album and that's why I think all of this, 
all of these events and all of the stuff I've been talking about so far correlate together. And I think all of this stuff happening literally shaped the sound of this album. Uh, I cannot wait for you guys to hear it, man. Uh, it's coming soon. I'm waiting on the mixes right now, man. But again, we will get into that later. Anyways, I hope you guys are enjoying this so far. Again, I'm just kind of riffing here, as they say, having fun, telling stories and kind of telling my experience. Um, in future episodes, you know, I definitely want to start going into certain songs, bringing the guitar out, going over riffs, kind of showing how things were made, just kind of having fun and going over everything, you know? I mean, I don't have everything planned out right now, but I just want to make this a cool experience. I definitely want to have some fan interaction. Maybe I'll start looking for questions or in the future do live episodes where fans can come in and talk and ask questions and be a part of the podcast. And man, we'll see how this thing goes. You know, whether this is just a couple episodes or an ongoing thing will kind of be determined by you know, just the feedback and if this is something everyone's interested in, you know, I just appreciate you guys as fans, the support you've shown me over the last couple of years literally have made my dreams come true. I get to be a professional musician, write songs, write albums that actually get to make an impact, you know, gotta get out of here the day it was released, just again, under 48 hours ago, right on Spotify, some three of the biggest rock and metal playlists they have feature the song. Apple, two of their biggest rock playlists feature the song. So it's just crazy to think that after years and years of hard work, I am finally at a spot where when I put out music, even as a totally independent artist, I'm getting the looks of major acts major bands, major players in the industry. And that's what I love about today's industry, the fact that streaming gives every artist in all genres a platform to get your music heard. You know, you got to do the hustle, you got to grind, you got to make shit happen, but you have the access. And I am the first to admit how lucky I've been over the last couple of years, but luck is only a small part of the equation when you factor in the blood, sweat, tears, and years and years of dedication that go into making something like this a success. And at the end of the day, I feel like I'm just getting started. I want to keep this short and sweet, guys. Thank you for checking out this first episode. Again, this was kind of just a nice introduction, a nice hello, a nice set the tone. I'm going to be trying a lot of new stuff in the future, so give me feedback. If you enjoyed this, please hit me up on Instagram. Hit me up everywhere, all that stuff. You know it. Um... Let's hear the outro, and I will look forward to hearing and seeing and jamming with you guys again very soon. My name is Kyle Pfeiffer, Blacklight District. This is the Blacklight District Podcast. Take it easy. You've been listening to the Blacklight District Podcast. We're glad you're here. Find more on social media at Blacklight District on IG, Facebook, and TikTok, and at official BLD on Twitter. Hit us up on our website at blacklightdistrict.net to stay up to date on all the latest news, music, videos, and more. 1990, the new album from Blacklight District. Coming at the end of the year to all streaming platforms. Hit up ak19.shop for official Blacklight District merch.